Hey, welcome back to the GamerNode Show. This is episode 77. My name's Eddie Anzato, and I'm your host and the editor-in-chief of GamerNode.com. And I'm here once again with Bianca Figueroa Santana. How are you doing, Bianca? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? Great. Well, maybe. Uh, what have we been playing lately? So we've been playing a lot of Charterstone. Yeah. And Actually, a lot of a lot of stuff in general, but Charterstone seems to be. Yes, that's true. A lot of stuff all in general. We've been lately. But a majority of the time, we're playing Charterstone. Right. So we just played our sixth game? Yes. Out of how many are we supposed to play? Twelve. Twelve. So halfway through. So we figured we would stop in and give uh, spoiler-free, as, as much as we can, sort of update on how we feel about the game. Can we be spoiler-free? I, th- I mean, I mean I'd what like counts to be. as a spoiler? Just... Well, trust me, everyone. I do the editing. If anyone spoils anything, I will make it not spoiled for you. So you can listen uh, without any sort of worry. But um, I guess Charterstone. What is Charterstone? Can you tell us what Charterstone is? So Charterstone is a game where you are essentially um, building your village. And there are four, what are they called? Districts? Charter Charters. They're called charters. Charters, and there are six of them <laughs> because it's a one to six player game. As uh, Stonemeyer Games, the publisher tends to like to do is make those games that scale from one to six. So yeah, what else are we doing there? So you start with six charters and each person has their charter, which comes with a persona, which is just a character. And that character will have certain abilities or certain benefits. And you'll start with... Um, different are they hexagons mm-hmm. so i, I can't yeah remember. the spaces are hex- on the board are hexagonal. so you'll start with a number of hexagons in your little charter and what you'll do is you'll gradually build buildings um and each building is actually physically a sticker so you'll be sticking stickers onto the board um and deciding which things to build and deciding what kind of resources and advantages you want to get from those buildings Right. And that's just sort of the basic thing. And something that might be confusing is that a charter is your section. Like the, the town is basically a wheel with with divisions, like a like a cheese sliced into six cheese slices. <laughs> and um the charter is not only the little box that you get with your person and your and your pieces in the beginning of the game that you keep all of your stuff in throughout the game, but it's also the physical space on the board where you'll be sticking your buildings. And there are also some common buildings in the center and a couple things on the outskirts sort of to um, earn points in different ways or or advance your your reputation or, or various things like that. So as we play the game, you kind of discover different aspects of the story and the gameplay so you will open up these chests chests yeah crates you'll open up crates on certain cards typically after a building is built 
you'll be able to open a crate that's associated with the card that the building came from because you're peeling that sticker off that card. And then from that crate, you'll be directed to the index of other cards, of which there are over 400, um, and you'll pick out the particular cards associated with a crate. So one other really important aspect of the game that is available from the outset is the advancement mat. And this is where you'll have a deck of these cards that are coming out because sometimes these crates will say a card goes in the rule book and then these go into your hand and then these go into the general supply. So this general supply consists of the advancement mat and the advancement deck, which is sort of a tableau of five cards of all the various different types that you'll get throughout the game that you'll be able to acquire and then go through the process of using those cards. And then additionally, you have the objective cards, which are available three at a time every single game. There's a deck and they come out randomly. And these are three things that all the players will be trying to achieve throughout the game. Um, so these are things that happen right from the outset during game one. And every other mechanism as presented by the game through the use of various different types of cards, all of which, pretty much all of which are included in that advancement deck later on, um, those become incorporated into what is essentially a worker placement game. Worker placement, village building, resource production and conversion game with money and points. And um, you have two workers to start and a bunch of little influence tokens that go out in various places on the board to do various things. So with that basis, uh, we jump into game one. There are very few buildings out there. And as we go through game two through five, more and more buildings get added and more and more of those mechanisms are added. So how do you feel about that core that I just described of all the cards with the worker placement and the influence and the advancement and the objectives and the things that are just right right out of the gate that you have at your disposal and uh, and then sort of like the way that all those things come into play. I generally don't like worker placement games. I find them pretty boring. <laughs> um, and this one I have to say I liked better as a worker placement game. Um, I felt more engaged by it. I felt like because there were certain buildings that do certain things, I mean, that's something that's, that's very common in worker placement games, but for some reason, I guess I felt like, um, it felt more novel to me and, mm -hmm. um, in the way that you have these buildings and they change and you can build over them, for example, uh, with regard to the other mechanics, I, I like the mechanics. I like the basic mechanics of the, um, objective deck and the, um, the other deck. Advancement. Thank you. The advancement deck. Um, they give you goals to work for and things to, things to achieve, which is always great and creates, um, some direction to the game, which I think is also great because in the beginning, it is very slow. And I like that the advancement deck and the objectives provide you some guidance as to what you can achieve in those early games. Um, that said, it is a little frustrating. And I think that's true of any game that starts out very slow, but it is a little bit frustrating the first few games, um, or at least the first and second game, I think, 
that I felt really limited in what I could do with my workers in terms of the availability of buildings. And one big thing is that we played a two-person game. Mm -hmm. Um, So you're getting obviously more buildings out on the board when you have more people. And so that was a constraint that I think also made the first and second game seem pretty um, slow. Yeah. So one thing that sort of uh, stood out to me when you were talking was how this worker placement game kind of is more appealing to you. And I think having the ability, well, well, not being locked out of spaces is something that mm-hmm. Stonemeyer Games has done in the past with Euphoria, Build a Better Dystopia. Um, on a turn, you can either place a worker out, or if you have none, you call, you take them all back. But if someone's on a space that you want to go to, you place your worker there, and it just knocks their worker back into their hand. So you are getting to use the space whenever you want, and the player who got knocked out is getting the benefit of getting their worker back. And I thought it was a really good mechanism then in Euphoria, and I think that's still a good mechanism now in this worker placement game. And I think one thing that really turns you off about a lot of worker placement games is being locked out of a particular space. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. That's definitely true. And I think that especially in this game um, where you have buildings that you're going to favor, uh, I think it is important to be able to to do that so that you're not constantly locked out when someone is, for example, using the same building a million times in a row, cough, cough. I did that once. (laughs) So one thing that I really like about this game is simply adding more to the game discovering all of the parts that that's really what um i think keeps me the most engaged not so much getting points or or achieving anything in particular or trying to win but revealing more of the game is uh is the most exciting aspect to me so i find myself always trying to whenever there's a choice or whenever it's an option I'm going to try to open up, unlock more of the game. And I guess I sort of, um, I sort of like fixate on that. I I kind of obsess over that because it's the way that I'm pulling joy out of it. Um, However, that might also mean that I don't find the actual gameplay to be very special to me. Um, because all I want to do is add to it. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Although, I mean, that's the point of this game and the point of campaign games is you want to be building on it. But I guess what you're saying is the base game itself that you start out with is something that's unsatisfactory to you. I feel like, yeah, I feel like when you start out, you have an incomplete thing that, um, really, I didn't feel, uh, super... In, well, it didn't draw you in in the way that you wanted. It didn't hook you. Yeah, I mean, I was, that's the thing. I was hooked because I wanted to add more to it. But actual actually playing the game uh, was was kind of, by comparison to other worker placement games or, or village building games or like tableau building games, or, you know, like tile laying, things where you're like building your own little area or converting resources and stuff. It 
it was not in the upper echelon of of those types of games in terms of its core gameplay. Um, yeah, really, it was it was it was just discovering new stuff that that made it super exciting to start. Mm-hmm. Now, what about later? After we got through like game three or and or four, and we had filled up the board with a bunch of buildings everywhere. So it's funny because yeah, we had so many more buildings, and it felt a lot more um, nuanced. But at the same time. It had this sort of restricted feeling because I felt that the buildings that were on the board weren't always ideal. And there were some buildings that I just would never use um, because it wasn't part of my strategy. And some buildings that just seemed straight up not useful at all. Um, And the Mm. biggest problem that I have is that the advancement deck gets bigger and bigger um, insofar as you're, you know, you're adding things over time. You're diluting it. Exactly, thank you. And so the the buildings, you can go a whole game and a building doesn't necessarily come out. So if you have a bunch of buildings on the board that you don't like, in theory you could replace them, but in practice if those new buildings aren't coming out on the advancement deck, deck you're not you're not replacing the buildings and then you do feel very stuck in what you can do and that sense of I mean it's 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 called the advancement deck, but you don't feel like you're advancing. Yeah, we found that the game actually could fall victim to a bad hand, like a bad draw at the beginning of one of the games. We had a bunch of advancement cards out on the advancement mat that nobody wanted. So the game felt like it dragged and we made basically no progress. Right. And there is one building that allows you to refresh the advancement deck, but you have to get it out of the advancement deck first. Um, which is sort of how I felt with a lot of things. Like I would think, oh, there is this building. I've seen this building. It exists, but it's not coming out of the deck. So we're not able to build it. And I'm sort of stuck doing the same thing with these same X number of buildings that I've been doing for two games already. Mm. Yeah. I I think also early on we found that like we did as much as we could early in, in the game. And then the last few the like sort of like the last fifth of the uh there's there's a progress token on the board that determines when the game ends when after you do certain actions and we had done what we were trying to to get done um we kind of like ran out of the resources to really propel that progress token forward and at the end we were just like well this is the game gonna end Hmm. we just had to do we had to do like a bunch of sort of random things that weren't necessarily our main objectives and kind of just wait it out and, and let the event the uh the progress token go in an alternative way um so there was that so yeah the game is interesting and actually now that we're we played the sixth game i felt like the sixth game uh started to really feel like a fleshed out game um, and I'm interested to see what happens in the future, but, uh, for the, for the few games before that, I felt 
not so excited to to sit down and play and and in the middle of the game i felt maybe bored and at the end of the game when cert- when things would happen and we would get a story component and some more stuff or or at those key moments throughout the games that we got more stuff it was really exciting but for the most part i was just kind of like waiting mm-hmm. it was a game of it was really a game of waiting um and at one point i was like can we just like skip this game and see what happens at the end and do the next do the next one with whatever we get out of that so there definitely is a, a degree of excitement and uh, looking forward to to future plays but then there's also this this uh, opposing force of of uh, sort of dragging your way through certain parts of the game so that's that's where I stand. I don't really know if I could say a whole lot more without spoiling it. I mean, there are cool mechanisms that come out. You have essentially like five sets of different cards that are different things. They're they're basically different mechanisms that are represented by by examples of this mechanism on a, a set of a bunch of cards and there are like five of those different things yeah and that definitely mixes it up i feel like that gives it a little bit more um variety than other worker placement games mm-hmm. uh and it does give it a sense of newness and excitement like you said um i think yeah. you could certainly if you really tried say okay this game i'm going to use this strategy that employs this type of card like really that really focuses on this mechanism of Charterstone to see how I can score points that way. Or, oh, the, this building came out, it uses this, it has this cost, so I'm going to build an engine or at least at least activate an engine because most likely you can pick out buildings that are out on the board that work in synergy with one another and uh, say, okay, this game I'm activating this engine made up of these four buildings and this type of advancement card, and that's how I'm going to try to score my points. So I feel like you can experiment, but also you can be really let down if your experiment doesn't mm-hmm. go very well. Yeah, yeah. And I found I found it a bit hard to engineer um, an engine of, of some sort. Um, in some games, it was easier than other, but it falls prey to the same problem that we talked about before. It becomes a little repetitive. Like I started yeah. using the same engine over and over again because there weren't really alternative engines to use in, yeah. in a given game. Because it felt like there was an inherent imbalance in the buildings because if one building comes out that's like clearly a step forward in the progression of buildings powers uh you're gonna be like oh that one is the one that we should all try to use to get many points at a time you know points per the number of moves that it takes to get those points maybe this new building has suddenly allowed us to to have a greater ratio um of that type and and everyone just kind of like says oh well let's just spam that so i think yeah the way that it comes out just makes it inherently prone to being imbalanced at various stages of the game of the of the campaign 
in various ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we ran across that. There was the one particular that you got that <laughs> that you just kept getting, that you kept using. Using over and over again. Well, I did win that game, right? Thanks to that building. Mm-hmm. Handily. Yes. So I liked it. <laughs> okay, so that's Charterstone. Um, so definitely at this point, it is, uh, I want to say, lacking the shine that I came into it expecting. Um, and I'm still engaged. I still want to continue. But I'm... I'm mostly hopeful that there's going to be a turning point that makes it awesome. I can imagine the game, when fully fleshed out, being really excellent and fun, uh, depending on where it goes from here. So, hopeful. At this point, still sort of uh, feeling like it's... Unfulfilling. Yeah, somewhat. I feel like it's a game of delayed gratification, but I'm not confident I'm ever going to get the gratification that I want. And also, why should I delay? Why should I play 12 games? Why should I play six games and still be waiting to feel some sense of gratification? Yeah. Like, we get plopped down, or at Labora, which is a similar style of game. Gaining building cards, placing them in your own little area using them to build an engine to score points to convert resources something like that and that game's phenomenal and it's phenomenal the first time you play it and it's complete the first time you play it so i don't know we'll see we'll see how it how it plays out after six more games (laughs) (laughs) so on that note of playing many sessions of the same game uh, we just played our seventh sit-down session of Time Stories, Estrella Drive. Pretty good. It was great. Yeah. So uh, we have played The Asylum, The Marcy Case, Under the Mask, Prophecy of Dragons, Expedition Endurance, Lumen Fide. And Estrella Drive, all in the Time Stories uh, system. And it's been resoundingly awesome all the way through. There have been a couple that were sort of lackluster compared to the others, but um, this is a game that introduces new mechanics, sort of. I mean, mostly the same mechanisms, but... Like, it comes up with new and clever ways to employ the general system and the various markers and tokens and such and uh, send you through a narrative every time and and give you, like, a really cool experience every time. Of course, it's an experience that can't be repeated after that. Right, which is a lot. This was, the, I think, the first one, though, that I said, I want to play this again. And... You know, and my I was response not, was what? what? I was not literally wanted to play it again, but I wanted to sort of forget that I had ever played it and then re have the experience again of playing it for the oh, first time. Oh, how I feel about Demon Souls and Dark Souls and all the rest. That's exactly it. Oh, I wish I could just forget. When I hear someone's going to play a game that I loved 
for the first time, I usually say, oh, I'm so jealous. That's how I feel about this one. Yeah, yeah. Time Stories has been been awesome. Um, so Estrella Drive is the newest one, and it's for mature audiences only. What did you think of that? Um, I thought it was fine. I had a little bit of a hard time figuring out why it was for mature audiences only. At first, I thought it was the violence, but then there's been plenty of violence in the other games. So I think that it's really the language. There's, you know, there's there's swear words in it. Um, hmm. And so Interesting. I thought that was maybe part of it. Um, One card has nudity on it. Yeah, one card has nudity, but it's not even like super blatant. I mean, it. I mean, it's it's a it's an animate like it's it's a drawing. It's a cartoon, right? Um, uh, and it's not even full frontal. She's just like lying on her stomach. Whatever. So yeah, this one is definitely violent. Um, the theme it involves murder. We'll just say if you're a true crime fanatic, you're going to there's going to be something really special for you in this game. Yeah. It's uh based on true events. It's based on true events. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's good. Um it uh it reminded me of my f- favorite scenario, which was Expedition Endurance. Or is this? I don't know. I think this is better. It has a similar. It has similar mechanics insofar as I mean, I don't want to give it away. I guess if you haven't played either of them, but that there are sort of parallel experiences. I guess you could say. Mm. And I liked this one. I thought the story on this one was really tight, and that might be because it is based on not just someone's imagination. Yeah, uh, it did feel like there was maybe less to explore and the story kind of took you in the direction that it wanted to which allowed us to feel more engaged throughout because we were really going in the right direction at all times whereas say asylum was more of a puzzle with like branching paths and you had to figure things out mhm i guess this one it does it does definitely have a direction. It pulls you in that direction. Um, so if you really do like more sort of a random puzzle where you're really putting together the pieces, it might not be your favorite time stories. But I really liked the narrative and I felt like there was enough of a balance between here's a story that's going to pull you in the right direction and here is still that element of time stories of you have to sort of decide where are you going to go? Where do you think something, where do you think you're going to get your next clue? What do you think is the best way to go about this? So so I liked that. Um, yeah. I didn't think it was too heavy in the in the narrative. Yeah. I find that Prophecy of Dragons, Expedition Endurance, and Estrella Drive, this one, sort of feel like companion scenarios in the way that they play out um, generally. And then maybe like Asylum and Under the Mask and Lumen Fide sort of feel like similar-ish, even if one is superior to the others. Asylum. <laughs> um, and then the Marcy case is kind of its own thing. Yeah, the Marcy case is definitely its own thing. Um, so uh, if you've played all the, the previous ones and agree with that, then you know 
kind of where you would sort of stand with this one, like where it would stand with your tastes. Um, but yeah, we thought it was excellent. There was mm. a really important aspect of it that I think they screwed up. Um, and it's kind of at the end of the scenario. It's pretty crucial. It's Yeah, it's like one of the main things. So I will just say, if you haven't played it and you do play it, don't worry too much about matching artwork. Take the clues from the story. Yeah, I think that's that's an excellent way of putting it. Yeah. That's good advice. Without without and I I don't think that ruins a damn thing for you. Um so yeah, the Stray Drive was awesome. Can't wait for the next one, which apparently is in the Caribbean. Oh yeah. Yeah, let's open this up. Yeah, the next one is The Caribbean Sea, 1685, New Time, Brotherhood of the Coast. So that's exciting, because I'm into that. Um, can't wait for that. Don't know when exactly that one's coming. Should be early next year. Well, this one was lacking, though. Like, conspicuous in its absence, especially following the previous Time Story scenario is um let's just say the meta the the sort of story outside of the story the overarching story it's sort of self-contained it's funny because you don't care I, it's <laughs> funny because i think i like it better like i really like immersive experiences and that sometimes the meta sort of takes away from that for me, which is funny because that's sort of the entire point of Time Stories. Um, I guess. I, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's the entire point. I think the game could exist entirely as mm -hmm. separate scenarios that don't connect at all. Oh, yeah. Totally. Um, but I guess what I'm saying is I don't need the meta to feel... Like, that was not... I don't take any points off of this scenario because of that. No. Oh, but the one thing I will take points off for is the translations. They're pretty terrible. Oh, yeah. There was at least one card that I was like, I don't actually know what this is saying. Um, and that always sort of irks me a little bit. It's sort of... It's just a pet peeve is the only thing. But um, overall, all of the cards were comprehensible and it was totally playable. So it's not yeah. the end of the world. This was clearly from the original French, not... Uh... Not anglicized well enough. Yeah. That's fine, whatever. But yeah, Astraea Drive, awesome. Definitely recommend it. But bear in mind that little bit of uh, advice. Um, time Stories, still a 5 out of 5. Oh, as, as a definitely. Whole, right? Yeah, for sure. Every time a new one comes out, I'm like chomping Gotta play it. it. Yeah. Gotta play this game, come on. I wake up in the morning and, like, I'm excited. I'm like, today we're going to play Time Stories. Yeah. Yes, that one's highly, highly recommended. Um, far more expensive than playing a game of Charterstone. Oh, for sure. Because yeah. it's, what is it, $30 a pop for these expansions? Or depending if you get them discounted. Well, the good thing, though, is, like, if you have a bunch of friends who play board games, maybe, like, one person buys this one, the next person buys the next one and you just pass 
pass it around, you know. Totally worth Plus, it. Plus, like, the game accommodates four players at a time. So, whatever. Um, split it. Pay for it however you want. Whatever. It's your money. But it's an awesome game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's... I mean, I guess that's all we really had to talk about today. Keep it short and sweet. And uh, we'll come back for more Charterstone when we're done. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, check out the YouTube channel. We've got lots of video reviews, all that Gen Con stuff is finally on there, um, and more to come. I've got I've got a bunch of stuff in the hopper to go up on uh, the YouTube channel, lots of tabletop reviews. And follow us on Twitter at Gamernode and our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Gamernode. Oh, and our new Instagram! Oh, yeah! Which I was really into updating and then kind of like fell off a little bit, but... Instagram's awesome, so we're on Instagram at GamerNode, and like I'm a photographer, so I actually am really passionate about that when I do put it up there. Um, so yeah, check that out, and uh, thanks, thanks for listening and watching and following and all that stuff. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.